This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic, craziness, no time, no fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform, perform. Harder, harder. Push, push. Machines, high pressure, no time. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back, everyone, to Efficiency On Demand. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have a wonderful guest, and I'm super, super excited to dive deep into his story. Um, We've been kind of Facebook friends and connected for quite a while, so I've been following along, and his story is amazing, but I'm quite sure we can dig a little bit deeper for all of you listening out there. So... Where do I start? So I think most importantly, what he's doing is uh, if you can categorize it, I would say it's probably life coaching and motivation. And so his story is all over the place from being in jail, from being addicted, from being all over the place. And now he's here and side by side was like guys like Tony Robbins on stage even and on my podcast. So let me welcome Sean Marone. Hi. What is going on? How are you? (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much for having time for me today. It is my pleasure. I woke up extra early today. So usually I'm a 5.30, 5 o'clock wake up. I woke up at 4 to get to the gym so we could have the 7.30 call. So I'm ready to go ahead and share some value with your your amazing viewers. Amazing. See, I'm going to stay awake for you. (laughs) I mean, it's 8.30 p.m., but (laughs) you never know. You know, I'm 33. Sleep is going to be a a thing soon, you know. (laughs) (laughs) awesome so before we dive into this amazing story tell everyone a little bit about you what you do where are you from yeah absolutely so i'm originally from new jersey i live in destin florida now it's literally the most beautiful beaches um in the country i know that because i went to eight beaches in 12 uh 12 months in order to figure out where we wanted to live and kind of set down our roots uh, and, and literally the most beautiful place. But so really where I come from in New Jersey, it was great. It was, it was It's a nice beach town, uh, but I knew that it wasn't conducive to my goals. And that's why I had to get out. Also, when we go into the story, I was kind of forced out in a few ways. Uh, but I'm a transformational coach as well as a transformational speaker. A lot of people like to categorize it as life coach or motivational speaker, which is the easiest way to kind of throw a label on it. But what I do is I give actionable tools to start creating the ultimate version of that person so they could design a life they always wanted to live. You know, motivation is super temporary. So I like to get super, super deep and inspire because it's a whole different level when you inspire somebody. Um, And then create the tools around their life, around the adversity that they have Mm -hmm. to truly start that that being better today than they were yesterday mentality and progressing. Um, And I do that on different platforms. So as you said, I speak on stages across the country, uh, sharing stages with people like Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, Trent Shelton, ET, many, many more. And then I also have my coaching programs. So I have online courses, I have one-on-one, and then I also have my group coaching. Um, And then I also have a retreat that I do every single year. And then not to mention my podcast, The Power of Progression, where we give actionable tools for people to be better today than they were yesterday. So I kind of just wrap it all up into one and say I'm a growth expert. Uh, Awesome. (laughs) We we could talk about how to expand your identity. We could talk about Mm -hmm. how to grow your business. And we could also dive deep and, and really go into the limiting beliefs that are holding you back from tapping into your greatness. Awesome. I love that. So, okay, let's dive in. I think... Where I'm going to start is actually the motivational part, because I think, was it Zig Ziglar who said like something along the lines that motivation is recommended? It's something like showering. That's why it's recommended daily because it doesn't last. Like it's not the exact word, but it's something like that. And I used to tell my clients that motivation is absolutely bullshit. And that basically the only thing that's that 
like what motivation really is, is if they have a good reason to get out of bed, but then motivation already fades away. So it, that's how long it lasts. Basically, you have a good reason. You'd be like, oh my God, I really got to do this right now. But if you don't act in that right second, your motivation is like, poof, like little dream, you know? So tell me what is your version of like the motivation turning that into inspiration and then into transformation with your clients? Yeah. So, so motivation, you're absolutely correct. It, it's, it starts with a reason, right? And, and people are like, man, how do you stay disciplined? How do you stay consistent? Well, it's simple. You know, your reason will outweigh your discipline. Mm. Right? There's, there, there's many times where I don't want to wake up that early. There's many times I don't want to do the things I need to do, but my motivation is super clear. And, and what I just kind of tie it to is my why, right? And my, and my why. And so I always talk about your first why is always a lie, super surface. Like I could talk about my daughter's my why, but let's be honest. I'm gonna be like, my daughter's my wife, but I can go ahead and do a two-a-day tomorrow, but I can go ahead and make 100 calls tomorrow instead of 50. So it's super surface. So I like to go three levels deep and, and your why should almost make you cry. And so I like to switch it up though. A lot of, I have a deep why and I give my clients the understanding that there needs to be this deep core of a why that drives you, but our why could be super temporary, right? Your motivation can be literally just to go ahead and bust your ass today to get one client. Your motivation is just to get one client today. Like that could be it. Or the motivation could be two weeks out. It doesn't need to be something so deep. So something that inspires you to take massive action. And that's what a transformation comes from, mm-hmm. right? The transformation doesn't come from just being motivated and inspired and just going, doing things. It, it's putting your foot on the gas pedal at a, at a pressure that you've never done before on a consistent basis because where you're driving is so damn beautiful and you want to get there so bad that you'll do whatever it takes to get your ass there. So to me, motivation is temporary. Inspiration lasts a little bit longer, but your why is the, is the whole thing that keeps you going. And people need to stop wondering, oh my God, I can't find that deep why. That's a crucial part. But sometimes, you know, to be honest with you, I just put my, my, my fingers on my wrist and like hear my pulse. And it's like, shit, I know so many people that don't have that opportunity that died way too young. And if that doesn't motivate me to just kick ass today, like I'm disrespecting them or, or look at the, the people that are fighting overseas for us to have our freedom. And it's like, they're out there and they're putting their life on the line. And I'm sitting here complaining about this thing or that thing and just sitting on my ass and watching Netflix. Like that, that is disrespectful for those heroes out there trying to fight for our freedom. And so sometimes, guys, it doesn't need to be this big extravagant thing. As I said, you should have that. But whatever it's going to take for you to be inspired to take action so you could transform yourself. And that's yeah. my take on it. And it's a, it's a daily process, right? And so your why can change daily. Mm. So tell me a little bit where it just started for you or maybe where the first time in your life you felt like uh, I should change something. So I remember for me, I had a few kind of kicks in the butt that <laughs> that I definitely had to go through were by I think the third or the fourth one. I was like, okay, something goes really, really wrong here. I have to change something. And obviously like the 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 common denominator was me. So obviously that was on me to take responsibility and change. But it was like, it was so many different things that it took me a while to see that there was like me on the end of the day. That was like the the thing that had to change. And it wasn't my fault that these things happened. But talking about like people who died too early, right? So I had a cardiac arrest when I was 19 and I died for 25 seconds and I was clinically dead. But it wasn't enough by the time. It was like, I'm invincible. Let me just do this a little bit hard, more hardcore. And so it was a combination of like a chronic illness and overworking myself by this time already. But I just went a little bit harder. And I went, like, I turned the volume up. And then the next time something happened, that really like kicked my ass because uh, kind of broke my spine. So, <laughs> So the question is basically like, when was the first time in your life that kind of like your alarm went off and did you listen to it or did you just be as stupid as I was? <laughs> I, I was definitely as stupid as you were in so many cases, right? From, as you said before, I, an addict of different things. It, it wasn't just drugs, but it was negativity. It was drama. It was violence. I mean, I just wanted to hurt people, hurt people. Um, and I didn't realize that back then, but it, it wasn't sitting in jail. 
It wasn't sitting in a motel, living in my car. None of that shit was the reason that was like, like you said, that alarm going off. And what really happened to me, I think, was was Hurricane Sandy was a big aha for me. So Hurricane Sandy hit the Jersey Shore um, in October 2012. And I remember it was we just got out of our little apartment and got our first house like two weeks, uh, two weeks before the Hurricane Sandy hit. And so I brought my family over and we were sitting there in the, in the bedroom and we went outside like an hour before, like, all right, where's this rain? Where's this rain? Like it wasn't, it was a voluntary evacuation. So you didn't have to leave. So I was like, I'm from Jersey. I'm Italian. I'm stubborn as shit. Right. And so I was like, we don't have to leave. Once again, like you said, invincible. That's how I felt. And so we sat there, I remember, and I just heard this trickle and like, I could still hear the trickle to this day because it was, it was so alarming. And all of a sudden, you just see this like, stream of water start coming through your house, which was so surprising because an hour before, it was just windy, no rain. And as I step through the puddle, I look outside and we have four or five feet of, of water, roaring rapids and pieces of dock and boats and all this stuff coming into our yard. And then within minutes, it just cracked, the, it just busted the crack of the foundation and, and started filling up the house. And so I took all our furniture, I put it up top, got my family into the attic. We lived in a one-story house. And as I sat there, I saw the water rising rung by rung. And I heard, ah, and it was thump, thump, thump. And a tree was about to come through the roof. And the water's rising. The tree's about to come through the roof. Water's rising. And I just looked and I said this word that I never said in this context. And I said, shit, what kind of impact have I made? And it was kind of weird to me because the I word I used to use was income. It was always get more money, get more money, get more money. And so I thought that solved all my problems. And so when I said that, I was like, look, if I get out of this, I'm going to create a huge impact for my family and start living a better life. And I'm going to impact this world. Well, you fast forward, the water recedes. I'm sitting in the shelter. And there it was. That was the moment is when I was sitting in a shelter. It wasn't necessarily in the attic. It was when I sat in the shelter and I said, I made this promise. I just don't know what to do. Mm. There it was. When I raised my hand with complete vulnerability and I said, I don't know what I don't know, that was my biggest opportunity to grow. And I put down the ego, I put down the pride, and I just started researching the best of the best. And that was the first real aha moment of like, you need to change. Like I've had so many opportunities to change from people coming into my life and, and really showing me a different way to events of like I said, putting it, living, living in jail, living on the streets, all those things. And, and it took me coming to my senses saying, look, you don't know everything. It's time to go ahead and drop the ego and truly go ahead and grow. And so that was my biggest aha that I had and kind of started that ripple effect of massive growth. But I do want to say this. A lot of people out there listening right now, you're searching for that rock bottom. Like you're waiting for that rock bottom. It doesn't need to happen. I promise you, A, it's not pretty. It doesn't feel good. And your rock bottom, you may never get back from. Stop searching for it because if you're sitting there waiting, I just, I just haven't hit that rock bottom yet to, to propel forward. I'm here to tell you, rock bottom it does not feel good. Take the platform you're at right now. Choose that because life is nothing, everything but we put a label on, right? It's on our terms. Choose where you're at now as the bottom and never going any further and use that as your platform to go ahead and, and expedite everything you're doing to get the results you want. Yeah, 100%. Is, uh, is one thing I always say, not everyone is as lucky to come back from a cardiac arrest because uh, if you try to die, you just need to keep hustling and grinding. There are so many people out there and don't get me wrong. I don't say you don't need to work hard. I've, I never would say that. I have a lot of people there like, not everyone can hang out at the beach and work. I'm like, do you ever see me with a fucking laptop? on the beach this is just plain stupid you just ruin your laptop you know like this is dumb but like they need to understand that like i literally if you want to say that i've been there got the t-shirt have the coffee mock you know and the neon signs and the fingers and whatever i got all of the souvenirs from being burned out twice and from working myself literally to death by the age of 19 which is for me also plain stupid so and but you don't need to try, as you say, you don't need to try to get to to rock bottom, right? And so I think it's just um 
it's just the thing, like, why do you think, looking at ourselves, because you said you lived through jail, so why do you think do we need sometimes to literally faceplant with our whole life and just shred all over the asphalt to literally understand, like, something is really wrong here? Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's such a good question. And and it's, it's I think what it comes down to is people always think it's going to get better. I mean, they're just waiting for it to get better. And when they're finally, like you said, face plant, face down, they realize like that is, that is rock bottom. And I think the reason why they wait for that moment is because they don't understand the whole, uh, the, the, the whole power of that bad side, right? They don't understand like, look, look, if you're sitting here right now and you're like, I just wish I knew why I was waiting to hit rock bottom. It's because you've, you don't know the pain. You don't know the struggle. And because you don't know the struggle, you can't create the progression because a lot of times our pain powers our progression. And so I think that's it. I think that until you feel this pain or you've created this pain, it's hard for you to use that to power your progression and power your purpose. And that's why people that don't feel pain, they make $100,000 a year and they're cool with it. They're, they're okay. And, 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 and they're fine being that... that average income and just kind of hanging in that average lane, which is fine with me. You know, everybody needs to play the game I play. They don't need to step in the same arena as I do, Mm -hmm. but I need them to ask themselves, is it because you haven't felt enough pain, right? Is it because you haven't felt enough pain that you understand like, this is the reason why I'm going here. Look, the only reason people make decisions are pain or pleasure. Yeah. And most of the time it's that pain that really, really helps them charge forward. Yeah. I look back like, I go forward for my pleasure for sure. Like I, you know, I want all the, you know, I have the boat now and that's one of the things that I really always wanted. I have the nice, all these things, all the pleasure stuff is great, but really it was the pain of like knowing that shit that I went through, knowing the, 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 the pain that I created, right? Like, let's be real. Cause it starts and ends with me. Like knowing I never want to live through that again, that scares me. And because it scares me so bad, I, I try to do whatever I can never to go back to that place. So to answer your question, I don't think that they've had enough pain. But I also think that you don't have to feel that pain. I feel like where you're currently at, you just have to have the understanding that that pain is so scary, you don't want to use it. Use what you've... Everybody's been through shit. Everybody's been through something. People telling them that they're not good enough. Family issues. Their own internal battles. Everybody's been through something. So don't, don't discount your feelings and don't discount your story because it isn't as bad as mine or isn't as bad as yours. Stop discounting your story that it's not good enough to be the platform to build that life that you want. I'm telling you right now, whoever's listening to this, your story needs to be heard. Your story is is the platform that you need right the platform that you need and so use whatever you could find within that story because i'm sure there's there's pain in there and use that don't wait for extreme pain because like you said i mean you're surprised enough you even came back you know a lot of people that 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 don't right that don't so i think where you're currently at is you're you're it's perfect to start Hmm. it's Pretty interesting. Uh, you use uh, a term that I use quite often, which is like uh, turning your pain into your power. And I've uh, actually used it in one of my, not one of my, in what in that TEDx talk that I had. I had only one so far, <laughs> but I used it actually as the title of my TEDx talk, uh, "Turning Your Pain into Your Power." And it's super interesting because I do believe, just like you said, that everyone needs this pain to literally propel them forward and you've got to turn it into your power. But what I also believe is that a lot of people just suffer way too long, either being a victim or being made a victim by their environment or by their people. And they don't know how to get out of this role and not having a support system maybe, or whatever it is, you know, maybe they don't have the access to information, whatever, like there are so many reasons but also like suffering i think makes it so hard sometimes to to have a different perspective to have a different path carving out for ourselves and i think this is like i think it was haruki murakami one of my favorite authors do you know him 
I, I've, I've read some of his stuff, but I haven't dove, dove super deep into him. I definitely yeah. read some of his stuff. That's he's, he's just one of the weirdest authors, and that's why I love him. And that's I think, the best part. Right? And I think he said, pain is inevitable, suffering's optional. Oh, love that. Right? Love that. And it's like, so oh, you can't get around pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain or whatever it is, but you can choose if you suffer from it or not. Yes. Right. And so I think this is like, this is one of my favorite quotes, but he's just freaking amazing. Anyways, uh, what I wanted to get there is like, so looking at your stories, we haven't been talking yet about the addiction and the jail and how you got there and whatever, but I want to ask a little bit of a different question. Why do you think you got addicted? Why do you think you got to the point to jail? Why do you think you ended up in that house with Hurricane Sandy, when everybody else maybe left, why do you think yeah. you ended up? You know there? that is that is a phenomenal question. No one's ever asked me that before, and I, I think what it comes down to is a few different components, right? So what got me into an addict? I could say, hey, my family, you know, they're addicts. Bullshit, right? Like that's not the real reason why. I had a belief that my family's past is my future at, at a certain point, and, and I, I lived that living a belief, right? We believe who like. We follow through with who we believe we are most. So I believed that for so long. That's one thing. Number two is I was trying to fit in everywhere growing up, right? Like I was trying to fit in with the cool kids, with the jocks, with the musicians. I was trying to fit in with everybody. So much so, you know, I I played in a band, you know, I, I played football, you know, I parted my ass off. So I try to fit in everywhere because I think I was trying to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And so that became an addiction to become accepted. And when I found the acceptance in being the, the party guy, right? I, I found it first in football and the partying over really overtook that. And so when I found it in people like, man, Marone, he's, you know, he's a fighter. We go out with him, you know, he's going to mess some people up and, oh, uh, you know, we're gonna have a good time. And like, that was, that was what I was addicted to is like, people knew me as that and I could label myself something finally. It was nothing great. It was a negative label but I finally was accepted as that person. And everybody looked at me and I thought like almost applauded me for that. But really there were probably worse men behind, behind closed doors. Like, look at this fool, right? Where I heard something of like cheers because I thought I was being accepted. I think there was whispers of the truth. Like, why is he doing this? And so I think what it just came down to is I was trying to become accepted. So I kept trying to do all these things. You know, I got into drug dealing, right? And I think I also got into drug dealing because yeah, to obviously feel, you know, feed my habit. But I think also because I, in eighth grade, I'm making tons of money. Nobody's making money. I'm driving a car to school, like legit would steal my mom's car and drive it to school and like have my pick my friends up and like smoke in the car. Like, because I wanted to be the cool kid. I wanted to be accepted. And so I think those things have all happened because I didn't know who I truly was. Uh, so I couldn't live my authentic self. So I kept trying to grab at things. And once something stuck, I just, I just went ahead and, and I embraced it. And I embraced it fully. And we follow through who we believe we are most. Because I believe that, um, it got me into trouble. Right? Every time we go to a bar, I, you know that I got to try to fight somebody. It was just a label that I attached to myself. Um, and, and going back to the Hurricane Sandy, the label was like, I'm invincible. Look, nothing's going to happen. Like, I mean, there's no way the hurricane is going to take this from us. And so I think it just, it was the label that I kept putting on myself that was in a negative light that kept attracting these negative outcomes because my actions were negative. Yeah. I can totally resonate with it in such a different way. So I never had anything to do with trucks. I had chronic illnesses since I was uh, born, you know? So I had always in my mind, like, trucks could kill me. So I would stay far away from taking them. But all my friends somehow were like truck dealers. And I started partying as soon as I started working, which was like 13. So that was like, I think my addiction was like really the the noise and the parties and the being being everywhere, basically and being kind of like in the middle of the attention without wanting that attention. Like I hated literally the whole of the attention. It was always like everyone was knowing me and talked to me and whatever. And I mean, it's 
crazy because in Germany, like rules, you know, they're pretty strict and you definitely don't get into any nightclubs without an idea and whatever. Yet I was 13 and all of the securities knew I was not 18. They didn't know my exact age, but they, they thought like oh, 16, 17, something. None of them asked me simply because I just walked in with with a with a demanding kind of with with like this this kind of uh, demanding posture of like well I belong here this is this yeah. is like my place you're nothing without me and because I was a dancer you know they were like oh well you know she's she's throwing the party <laughs> so <laughs> so I totally get that so I guess looking at that why do you think I mean, obviously, like we attract all of these negative behaviors with like what we are putting out there. But what made like why did like ending up in jail, for example, did not change anything for you? But then in hurricane did. Like, what's the difference? Because I I would think like ending up in jail is not very fun. Oh, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. And, and anybody out there, if you hear your friends saying, "I don't care, I'll go back," like I've had friends like that, I'm like, "Well, you're such a liar. Yeah. You do not want to go back. Like that's just not fun." And, and, you know, I wasn't there for years, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, the, the time I was there wasn't fun. I was on house arrest. That wasn't fun for many reasons. And that's a whole nother podcast we can get into, <laughs> uh, my experience on house arrest. But why wasn't it jail? Because there's seven levels of change. And I wasn't there yet. I wasn't at the level that I needed to be, which was, which was even seeking, right? Seeking is one. And, and I wasn't even there yet. And it, it's really funny because, you know, looking back and you connect the dots, it all makes sense. They used to call me the psychiatrist in jail. So I'd have these guys come to my jail cell and they'd tell me all of their problems. And I'd give them all of you know, everything that I had basically that I knew that I'd give them the advice. And I'd do this on a daily basis. These guys are coming to me with some serious deep-rooted issues. And you know, obviously I was giving them advice that probably was nowhere near as powerful as I give now knowing what I know, but they kept coming to me. And I didn't start my coaching career until a decade later or so. And so it's just funny that you think about that. Looking, though, I don't think that it, it, it was not necessarily obviously seeking. I wasn't there yet. But I also think that when I got out, my environment wasn't conducive to the change. Right? My environment was conducive. So maybe I wanted to change. You know, maybe I wanted to because there's a lot of money I owed. There was some harm I, I, I caused on some people by going to jail. And I don't, I don't necessarily say I didn't want to change. I just don't think my environment was conducive to say, you know what, here you go. Like, I'm going to put you in an uplifting environment to show you something different. I went right from house arrest, which was a very bad situation I was in, right into living in a motel. My first night off of house arrest, I mean, I went straight to drugs. My first night, like, I get off of house arrest, my buddy calls me, and I go right back to drugs. Nothing changed. Like I was just in jail. I just spent six months on house arrest. Like nothing's changed. And then I met my wife, who crazy as she is, met me. I was on during MySpace days. You know, we met and she actually, <laughs> she actually went ahead and, and, and showed me like someone could love you for not that. Because she, she was straight edge. She didn't do drugs, didn't drink, none of that stuff. She had a curfew of like nine o'clock at night and I seen her in high school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she was a very organized and structured life. And I didn't have that. And so her saying that she accepted me for me of who I was, because she saw me who I was. She didn't see the John Marone, the fighter. She didn't see John Marone, the drug dealer. She didn't see, see John Marone, this, that. Showed me a little bit like, okay, like someone does love me for who I am. And many attempts, I've tried to push her away. Right? I tried to push her away because I wanted to get back in self-destruction mode. So I still wasn't there yet. So I still wasn't there yet. It was just a process. It was just this process. Being in jail was the first step to like, this sucks, but I wasn't seeking necessarily. And even if I was, no matter how much you seek, if your environment's not conducive to where you truly want, where you want to go, the seeking's going to end. And so I was able to get with you know, her and she kind of gave me this new environment, even though it was a two-person environment, gave me a new environment. And through that, my levels of change just started increasing, increasing, increasing. Um, and then when it finally came to Hurricane Sandy, it was that final straw of like, you've progressed, John. You've done better than you used to, but better is not good enough right now. We, we, we need more. Right? And, and that's what it came down to because I don't think I looked at life saying, this is my only shot. 
when I was in jail. But when Hurricane Sandy came and I thought I was going to die, I realized it could be gone like that. Like I lost friends before I went to jail. I lost friends to in high school to suicide. I lost friends to drugs, I lost family members to both of those things. And so I still didn't connect the dots, but it was when that moment of like, man, I almost died. I could have died. I realized life is so precious. I need to take every, every minute and maximize it. And not just in my business, but with my friends, with my family, with this podcast, I need to be super intentional with my minutes and maximize every single one of them so I can create this optimal life that I want. Yeah. I mean, man, I can so relate. I actually died. And then sometimes afterwards, I still didn't connect the dots. It literally took me another... I. Uh, it's, uh, it's almost embarrassing to say that, but it almost took me another five years to actually understood, to understand what happened there. And that I actually just like totally missed the points for another five years. And that's when I got the second um, slap in the face, punch, you know what, you know uh, what knockout. To, though, it's, it's that ownership. Like you talked about it before, mm-hmm. starts to end with you. I did not take ownership. Even though I progressed, it was so minimal because I didn't take ownership for all my actions. Like I used to blame other people for I went to, why I went to jail. I used to blame other people for why I lived on, you know, in a motel and in the streets and in my car and couch shop. I used to blame all these other people. And when I started taking ownership and owning my shit, I started then creating this whole new awareness of like we said earlier, starts with me and ends with me. Mm-hmm. There's this big misconception, I think, of people saying the universe things, they happen for you. And I'm a believer in that. I am a believer in that, but there's a huge missing component that a lot of people do not play into. And so if you guys listen right now, if you're a big believer, life happens for me, life happens for me. I I love that, but you need to stop because it happens for you then, and write this down, then because of you, then because of you. I went to jail, it happened for me, but the small steps and not getting better, like playing it safe, that happened because of me, right? But also... Hurricane Sandy happened for me. And the action steps I took afterwards to really create this massive growth happened because of me. So when you realize that happens for you and don't sit on your ass and say, it's happening for me, it's happening for me, because that's what happens. People say, I know this is happening for me. And then they continue the same bad you know, decisions and they just continue the same repetitive thoughts and they're stuck in this pattern. First saying it's happening for me and because of me. So what am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. Life is all about the questions we ask ourselves, right? Your quality of life is proportionate to the quality of questions you ask yourself. So when you see something happening for you, not to you, when you see something happening for you, next question, and it's happening because of me, and what am I going to do with this situation and take massive action into the next step? Yeah, 100%. I love that. And I think it's like the thing that that people miss a lot out on is not only on asking this question, but also in like stripping away all of that things that may stand in the way. Because as you said, like we talked a little bit in the beginning before we started and a lot of people just try to add, as you said, they try to add a lot of things to their life to make life better. But what I learned is to actually strip away all of the things that are not necessary are way more powerful than add all of these things. So we we talked a little bit about like habits, you know, adding new habits. And you said like, you know, some of your clients, they want to start waking up at 5 a.m. And like if my clients wanted, I tell them, is that actually in your chronobiology? Are you even waking up at that time naturally? If not, fuck that, you know? Like, why would you want to wake up at 5 a.m. just because a monk who sold a Ferrari uh, wants to tell you, basically, I love Robin Sharma. I love him. But the 5 a.m. crap is just not for everyone. You can literally destroy your body with it. So why would you want to add things like this to your life if it doesn't matter for you? So I think this stripping away is a lot more powerful. But one thing that people just have so many issues with, and uh, I can uh, raise my hand here, is like letting go of control. Mm. So, right? (laughs) Feel me? (laughs) I mean... So, okay, we talked about being vulnerable here. So I'm going to be like really open and it's not going to be fun. So for me, the issue of letting go of control is because 
I started really young to take everything under control because that was the only way that I could be safe, safe from any kind of violence around me. And I don't want to make a wrong picture here. It's not about my parents or my family who has been like physically violent, but it's been very, very clear from the very young age that sexual violence is a huge thing in my life. And it started started almost like kindergarten age, even if I didn't want to look that far back. But this is when I started to be molested from like kindergarten boys already. And uh, my first relationship was a complete disaster with uh, rape, with uh, physical violence, with everything. And I was 15. So it's, it's just been a very consistent, basically, thing in my life until I took the responsibility to change that, right? But this letting go of control is one thing that keeps making me feel not safe, which is why every time I have to do it, it literally makes me want to vomit or just go away or not be around people. So if I do let control of control, uh, let go of control, I don't have anyone who can actually physically hurt me. So... I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So how does this show up for you, this whole control part? Because I feel like this is something that you struggled with too. Yeah. And first off, I just want to say thank you for the vulnerability, right? And 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 speaking on your story. And it's not always easy. Anybody listen to this, that vulnerability is so crucial to her growth. I mean, and it's going to be crucial to your growth as well. I always say the first two steps to success are, are get comfortable being uncomfortable. And number two is be vulnerable as shit. And because that that's that's really a like the very very beginning of the foundation of growth. So I just want to I just want to applaud you on that because it's not always easy. Um, and and it's cool though because the more you're vulnerable, the more you own your shit. And I talked before. It's like oh my god, like then I can go ahead and I can advance my my growth. So uh, control to me, I look, I look at two things. One is and everybody need need everybody to write this down because either you want control or you want fulfillment. You can't have both. You got to choose. You have to choose. And I know it's hard, right? Like, <laughs> I know it's hard. Yep. You can't. You, 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 you just, it just, they can't coexist because when you want all this control, it overwhelms you so much that the fulfillment is very hard to find. So that's, that's your first step. Number two is I always uh, take my clients through an exercise when I see that they're, they're trying to control things that, here it is, they can't control. Like there's certain things you can control, right? Like you could control your actions today. You can. You can control how you react to certain things. You could control your perspective, all those things. But there's certain things you can't control. So I would make a list, and that's what I do, of like, okay, first, what are the things that I have no control over that I've been worrying about? <laughs> right? No control over that I've been worrying about. And I just write this list out. That's going to take me a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead and, and, and get ready and lock yourself in a room. And you write all these things I can't control over. Because mm. once you see it, perspective is simple, right? You're like, mm. okay, I can't control this. And as Ed Milet says, worrying about tomorrow's problems ruins today's peace. Mm. So looking at this and seeing, okay, I don't control these things. You need to just eliminate that. And then you go down to the next thing. Okay, what do I have partial influence of it? Let me give an example of things I don't control. I don't control going ahead and, and my mom, for instance, my mom, my dad. Right? I've tried to control them for so long to create better lives for them. And they've been able to create a better life for themselves. But in the end, I, like, I don't control that. I don't control them. How much I tried, how much I tried. And then I have to look at it and I'd say, okay, but I could partially influence that. I've tried, right? And, and it overwhelmed me. And so partially influence is the next thing. Who... Who and what things do you think that you could partially influence to control the outcome? Write all those things down. And then last thing is, what do I have in my control? And those is, that's the only thing that you worry about, the things that you do have in your control. Your perspective, right? your actions, your relationships. Like Those are things you have control over. So those are the things that you pay attention to. Things you don't, you just got to eliminate it. And, and, and when you're feeling overwhelmed... It's usually because you're trying to control something that you don't have control over. Or if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's because you're trying to control something, but you're not taking the time to just separate everything else and just focus on it. Because sometimes we can control certain things, but we just, we're so cluttered with all the other shit that doesn't, <laughs> that we don't have control over, that like the stuff we can control over, we can't maximize. Right? So you're worried about all these things that you have no control over. 
Therefore, what you're doing is you're not able to maximize the things you do have control over, which are the most powerful things that you have, the most powerful tools that you have. The, the three to seven things you have control over will create massive fulfillment versus everything else. All the other stuff, like it's going to happen, right? You cannot do anything about it. So that's how, I, that's how I look at it. And that's kind of how I help my clients as well. It's like, let's get clear here. Let's get clear. What are the things that you're trying to control? And now if a business person's listening to this and you're trying to control things, you have to delegate to elevate. You have to. And you're like, oh, but no one's going to do it as good as me. I'm raising my hand right now. You know how many times I said that? But no <laughs> one's going to be the coach that I am. No one's going to do Okay, cool. I heard a story from Tony Robbins. And this is for, the, for businesses. Tony Robbins is out, to, uh, out skiing with a very, very rich and successful man. I don't know who it was, but he's just telling me the story. I said, okay. Um, he goes, yeah, so we went snowboarding and skiing. I said, okay. Um, and he goes, so what happened was when we got on the ski lift, the guy turned to me and said, Tony, when we're halfway up, I want you to tell me. He goes, well, he goes, just when we're halfway up the ski lift, just tell me. Tony's like, okay. So they're going up the ski lift, they're chatting about business, about life, about all the things. And then Tony's like, hey, man, I think we're halfway up. He turns to Tony and he says, I just made a million dollars. I need to know, how much did you lose? Tony's like, what? He goes, I just made a million dollars while on a ski lift. How much did you lose? Tony's like, what do you mean? I don't, I don't know. He said, Tony, if the business isn't operating without you there, it's not that you're make, not making money. You're actually losing money. Mm-hmm. You need to let go of certain things, have other people create their own greatness within your company. And then you're going to make a hell of a lot more money and create a lot more freedom. And that's when Tony started creating his systems to build out more coaches, his systems for other people to do his events. Before that, it was just Tony, 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 Tony. Um, so if you're a business owner, realize that you're actually losing money. It's not like that you're not making money when you're not around, you're losing money. Um, so think about that. Um, but control is, is something that we all have to evaluate almost on a daily basis. Like yeah. things are overwhelming us and we have to just put it all on paper, write yeah. out that perspective. And then go ahead and take the action on the things that we do have control over. It's so interesting because what you just talked about is like one of my foundational things uh, that I take my clients through the framework was like the business, whatever. And I run my business like that. I can easily get all of the, like all of the tasks to my team or whatever. I don't even want to know about it. I'm like, just do it. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, You'll be great. But in my personal life, I'm trying, as I said, I live in Thailand, you know, the traffic is insane. Like the amount of people dying here in motorcycle accidents is just like, I don't even want to count. So in my personal life that I'm driving the motorcycle here, you know, in Lefa Chegat, full helmet, everything. And I'm like trying to move cars and motorcycles with my thoughts. I'm like, no, you're not going to go to the left. No, you're not. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is how much I try to control in my personal life. Whereas in business, I'm like full, easy going. I'm like, I should try to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. You, you just got to take a step back and, and realize the more that you could try to control something else, it actually stops you from working on yourself. Yeah. So I tell everybody, I said, the more you worry about somebody else, like worry about them and, and their you know, results, and the more you worry about everybody else's drama and problems, the less you work on yourself. Right. I think you in that home, that traffic, I just worry about my ass getting to the point in one piece, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, a valid, that's a valid concern. You could now you, you don't have control over it, but that's something maybe you can influence. Yeah. Like, get rid of all distractions and be completely focused. Like that's that's you can have partial influence on that. Yeah, yeah. But definitely yeah. Uh, you don't have complete control over that. No, that's right. That's right. I wanna quickly before we wrap slowly up this whole thing, I wanna go quickly back to one thing that kind of stuck in my mind. When you said you wanted to be accepted and you kind of took on all of these different roles, which I probably would describe as something that everyone is doing in their lives probably once in a while, like taking on a mask. And you probably know Pranay Brown. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite, like, one of my favorite people out there who is like studying about like shame and guilt and also about belonging. And I think this is what comes to, right? We all just try to belong. So if, if you have someone who's struggling with knowing who they are and trying to, as you say, just fit in, what would you tell them how to take off their masks 
without worrying that they're not accepted or they don't belong and letting them know that actually being themselves will create a way more powerful tribe for them where they actually then belong to. Yeah. So there's so many points I can hit on. First, <laughs> first step, first step is you got to know who you are. We've put on so many masks throughout our life that a lot of times we don't even know which one is our actual identity. Hmm. So that's number one. You got to find that out. And the best way to do that is just kind of sit in a meditative and just go back and look at the things you love, look at the things that you've done. And then also look at the things where, you know, you made mistakes, right? You made mistakes, own up to them because you have to get back to that place of loving yourself. And you have to love yourself for all the shit that you did wrong to all the shit you did great. I've done a lot of things wrong in my life. I have. I've done some great things in my life, but I had to truly go back and say, hey, it's okay, man. Like you don't know what you know today. Just take that and don't remember the mistake. Hear me loud and clear. Don't remember the mistake. Remember the lesson you learned from it, right? Like we always remember this mistake, but we keep forgetting the lesson we learned from it. And so you got to go back first and do that. And I actually had to, had to uh, take myself through the cycle again, probably maybe like six months ago. And what I realized is that in... I, I, you know, I, have, I have a family, right? I have a wife and I have a daughter and I have all these clients. I cannot love them the way that they deserve to be loved until, as cliche and corny as it sounds, until I love myself the way I need to love myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, and I know it's corny. I know it's cliche, but it's the freaking truth. It's facts. Like I, Once I went back and I owned up to all my stuff and I went ahead and I kind of ripped out all of the pain and said, okay, this is who you are. Like, it's okay that you made those mistakes. Don't live in it every single day. Just learn from it. I learned to love myself. Therefore, I can give myself to my wife and my baby even more and give them the love they deserve. So that, that, that's number two. You got to go back to you know, obviously your past, own up, find out who you are and be able to love yourself. And the next thing is you can't be everything to everyone because mm-hmm. then you'll be nothing to yourself. Another mistake I made in my speaking and then in my coaching, like I was trying to be that person for everybody on stage, right? Like there's an older person. I was trying to be like maybe a little more calming and not as loud. And then there's a young guy and I'm like, yeah, da, 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 da. and then there's this guy. And I'm like, hold on, like, just be you. Like those who love you will love you. And the issue comes down to is those that love you, if you keep acting like somebody else will slowly start to disappear. Hmm. And so you got to first Say, okay, I'm stopping trying to be everything to everyone because I'm becoming nothing to myself. The next step is once you understand you love yourself, stop trying to be everything to everyone. The next step is going ahead and just remembering this. The people around you, right? The people around you, if they are pointing fingers, if they are, if you think they're going to make fun of you, if they think that they're going to go ahead and put you down, they're going to talk trash about you, all that stuff. If, they, if you think that way right, and you care about that, you need to stop because those people, as Brene Brown says, aren't in the arena that you're in, right? They're in the stands. They're in the stands. And I only care and I only want you to care about the people that hold value in your life. Oh, I want you to care about what people think, but here's the kicker. I want you to think about what, what the right people think, right? Mm. The whole you don't need to care about what people think. Not true. Care about what the right people think, people that have value, people that you admire, people that you have what you want in relationships and health. Care about what they think. You know, if I walked in a room with Warren Buffett right now, I'm going to give a shit what he thinks about my finances and my stock portfolio, <laughs> right? But if I walk into to a room with Joe Schmo, who you know, has no money investing and he's talking shit about my stock portfolio, I'm like, I don't care. So care about what the right people think. And once you fall back in love with yourself, once you find out who you authentically are, once you go ahead and you rip out the, I don't care what everybody thinks, just certain people think. And then once you say, you know what? I have to be me because nobody else is that. And the world deserves it. Like, I got to be me. Like my wife's always like, bro, like, how are you so like, like, you know, you go out and you dance and you're an idiot in front of people. And she's like, it's, it's crazy. And I never used to be like that. Mm. Uh, like I used to be like that intentionally. So what I mean is I used to try to do that to get people to like me. And now I just do it because that is who I am. But it took me fighting through all my past to figure out those are the things I love about me. But I can put myself out there. So stop trying to be everything to everyone. Go back, find out who you are, rip out all the masks, find the one that is actually you, right? Live in it. And talk about tribe, right? Your vibe will attract 
your tribe. Mm. It, and, and you don't need a bunch of people around you in order to get the success that you want. The one thing I've learned is that the more I grow, the smaller my circle gets. And Tiny. It's, yeah. And it's actually, it's a good thing. It is, yeah. it is a good thing because they're the right people. And I'll leave you with this part of it is sometimes we think about the past memories of our friends and we're like, what would they think? Right. And, and realizing that, look, they're probably not where you want to be, but you're like, oh, but they're my friends. They're my friends. I'm not telling you to disregard them. I'm saying that you need to create distance and success will create distance on its own. Mm-hmm. But, but on an elevator ride to the top, you're going to have to drop some people off and not everybody is rooting for you. And you don't want everybody to root for you either because that little bit of a chip on your shoulder of the haters, sometimes you need that. We talked about earlier in the call. Sometimes you need that for that why for that day. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you just need that little chip on your shoulder for the why. So people are like, oh, don't care about what people think. Guys, care about the right people think. And those haters out there, their yells will start to become whispers and you'll start separating yourself from the pack. But find out who you authentically are. Uh, Sean Mendez said, what do you say? That the the hardest thing to do is to be authentically you. Right. And I, and I believe in that. I believe in that. But that's the best thing you could do. So you got to find it, search for it. And anybody that vibes with you, create that, that, that network, create that, that tribe. And everybody else, they're going to find their own tribe. Because the, the other thing I realized here is, is look, the more I kept focusing on everybody else, like, oh, they're going to like me. You know, I got to wear this mask for that person. Like the less I actually built the value within the people that actually love who I am. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge component that I missed. It's like I had all these people that believed in me. And because I was putting my attention and my focus over here, I was not able to focus my attention and, and really put value into my true network. And I started losing people that actually mattered. So yeah. You got to really pay close, really close attention to that. Right. So in one sentence, who is Chun Marone? besides the Crows expert, the transformational coach, and all of the titles? Can it be a really long sentence? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is it like eight words? Like how, how, are we, how are we talking about a sentence here? Just make a sentence. <laughs> so who is John Marone? Somebody who's been through shit. Somebody who realizes that his past doesn't determine his future. Somebody that's going to create generational of, of, of value. Somebody that is going to take his family and show them what life truly could look like when you put the hard work in, when you put the effort in, and you add value to the marketplace. John Marone is somebody who gives a shit about making a footprint on this universe and creating a legacy for his family. John Marone is somebody who wants to create the ultimate version of himself and design a life you always want to live while doing it to the masses and helping others. And dancing outside on the streets. And uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> and if you see me in my car, you're going to know I'm dancing. You know, I'm gonna sing, uh, wrong words. I'll be singing the wrong words. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I love that. So I do have another question before we wrap up because... As I'm the host of the show, I can decide when we wrap it up. <laughs> that's the that's the great point here. So control, control, right? Oh my god! Did, no oh my god! <laughs> I do have control. Okay, so oh, please don't make me forget this question now. It was such a good one. Um, so no, okay, here we go. So let's just say someone like you or me or anyone out there who's listening went through all of this crows been there, done that t-shirt, coffee cup, you know, the fingers and all of these kind of neon signs that you can buy in a souvenir shop. And so suddenly they find themselves in a place of, well, it's gotten comfortable again. And I don't want to have rock bottom because I know I don't like rock bottom, but I also kind of feel like I've done a lot already, but I'm not I'm not agreeing to the stage of potential that I achieved. I want to get, so how are they going out of this? Maybe they're looking at themselves and be like, you know, 10 years ago, I had so much drive. I was powering through everything. And now I'm like this lazy shit show, which is probably not true, but you know what I mean, right? So So, what uh, are we going to do with them? Yeah. The first thing is, is understanding that there's not one level of comfort zone. 
most people think once I break through my comfort zone, I'm out of it. I'm done. No, 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 no. It's, it's like another level of a, of a house, right? Mm. There's another ceiling. So comfort zones have to continually be broken and new levels bring new devils. So you're aware of these two things. I'm always trying to break through a new comfort zone all the time, all the time, every month. What new comfort zone am I breaking through? The next thing is be aware that new levels bring uh, new devils and, and that the obstacles will come your way. And so if you're sitting there and you're kind of just in this loo of like, I've done so much, but that's not where I still want more, but I'm just kind of sitting here. Take a step back and reevaluate. What do you want? Why do you want it? Right? What do you want? Why do you want it? What are you willing to sacrifice now? What are you willing to sacrifice now to get what you want? Because whatever you have now is perfect for who you are. It's perfect for who you are. And if you're okay with staying there, then stay there. Mm-hmm. But if you want more, you got to be more. If you want more, you got to grow more. If you want more, you got to take more action. And so for you to do that, take a step back. Write down what you want and why you want it. And then go ahead and just put the work in, right? Every day, massive, aggressive, empowering action. And then sit back and say, looking back 15 years from now, if I just stopped and I stayed at this growth level, I stayed at this comfortability, would I be happy? If the answer is a clear cut, no, you know, you need to change, but you got to write down what would make me happy. And it's not always going to be the cars and the houses, but we as humans, we love feeling progression. That's where success lies. And that is the problem. with A lot of people, they think the mountaintop is the success. But really, it's that progression. They think losing the 30 pounds is the success, but it's that losing that five and then losing another two, then losing the three and fighting through that hard-ass three-day weekend where you lost 0.5. And it's like, yes, progression is what success truly is. And so if you think about that and you know that you get your, your, into your happiest and most fulfilled moments when you see progression, whether it's big or small, what are you doing daily to progress? And in six equities, not just your business, but I'm talking about your health, your relationships, your finances, your career, your your business or career. I'm talking about your spirituality. I'm talking about your personal life. So create progression on a daily basis and you'll find that success. And you don't need to go crazy and put your foot on a gas pedal all the way down. All I'm telling you to do is do one thing every single day that goes ahead and moves the needle just a teeny bit closer to where you want to go Hmm. and have a strong enough why so your consistency doesn't die. Have a strong enough, strong enough why so your consistency doesn't die. And then throughout the process, be grateful for where you're currently at. Be grateful for the things you overcame. Never look too far ahead, right? Affirm the things that you want, but never look too far ahead. Be more present. Be in the moment. Because that's the most powerful thing you could do is truly be there and say, hey, I've come in this far. Every morning I wake up, I say what I'm grateful for, but I actually visualize it. Mm. I visualize it. I see it. When I say I'm grateful for my daughter, if I don't see, if I don't feel it, I say I'm grateful for my daughter and her beautiful smile who could light up a room even when it's dark. And I see that smile and it fills me with this joy. It, mm-hmm. it overwhelms me with fulfillment. And so I want you to progress daily, have massive gratitude. Don't just say it, but feel it. Let it fill you up and realize that life is beautiful and you have the opportunity to just every day be better today than you were yesterday but it starts and ends with you. I love that. I also love to kind of like look uh, back at the achievements you already got and just remember how you got there because you didn't just suddenly have this achievement in your pockets and be like, I just climbed Mount Everest. You started at the button too, right? Yes. And so I do love all of that. And yeah, two more questions, but they can be really fast. So the number one question is, what does efficiency mean to you? Cool. So efficiency means to me is on a daily basis, it's progression, right? To me, it, it, it's progression and it's kind of, it's as simple as that. So efficiency is, did you progress today? Mm-hmm. Did you keep the promises to yourself? Right? And, 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 and by doing so, do you feel good? Right? Because you, you will. Like if you get the promise to yourself and you progress today, you'd create that efficiency in your life. And how do I do that? I have a must crush list I do every morning. And I say, what are the one thing I could do in all those equities I talk about? And I just make sure all those things are done. So I lay my head down at night. I progressed. I was efficient as shit. Maybe each thing took me five minutes, right? Maybe it took me five minutes. But those are the things I needed to get done today. And they got done. So mm-hmm. efficiency doesn't need to be 
working for eight hours and busting your butt every single minute, working for 10 hours. Efficiency is this. Know your six equities of life. Do one thing, small or big, in every single one of those equities. So you progress. And if you do that, do that every single day, guaranteeing you that efficiency will help you create the life that you want. I love it. And last question for today. If you had to start all over again, but kind of knowing what you know today, which of the three things would you keep doing to get where you are today again or create massive success again? Three of right, the top so, things. All right. So what are three things that basically I know are key components to, to where I'm at and where I want to go? Yeah, for you. All right. Mm -hmm. Number one is perspective. Perspective. It's, it's, it is your superpower. Perspective is your superpower. When you change that, everything else changes. And so that's number one is that change that perspective is your superpower. And in the moment, in the moment, when you see an obstacle, right? When, when, when you feel like you need to be the victim, but you need to change that perspective. When you're sitting in traffic and you're all pissed off, change your perspective. Like if you understand how to change your perspective in a minute time, The, the world changes for you. So that's number one. Number two is massive self-awareness. Self-awareness is the number one habit, character trait, whatever you want to call it, for the most successful people in this world. And I'm not talking about self-awareness, you know, at the end of the week or at the end of the month. It's all on a daily basis. Are you super aware of the things that you said you were going to do? So that's number two. So first, perspective. Number two is self-awareness. And last but not least, number three is, I, I would say just, just, taking a step back and realizing like how far you came, as you said before, like realize how, how far you came, but never be like extremely satisfied of where you're at. Right. And, and so that's, that's a huge component to me. So I think what it ties down to is you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Got to get comfortable, like be super grateful for where you're at and then get uncomfortable. So first perspective, two self-awareness, three, Be grateful for you where you're at and then get comfortable being uncomfortable to go ahead and, and create that growth in your life and get to where you want to go. I love that so much. John, before I ask you where people can find you, thank you so, so much for getting up at 4 a.m. to get to the gym and then bring on the power here. That's amazing. Please share with everyone where they can find you best and what they can find there. Yeah, absolutely. So you could uh, hit me up on all social media platforms at Real John Marone. So uh, Marone is M-A-R-R-O-N-E. But at Real John Marone, I answer all of my messages. So what I would love to hear is an aha that you have or maybe hear your story. Shoot me a message. And I'd love to go ahead and, and either give you a piece of value or just have a good conversation with you. Uh, but that's on Facebook. That's on Instagram. My YouTube, look up John Marone. Always dropping stuff on there. My podcast that I talked about earlier power of progression and you can find that on all social media platforms and go to my site john or sorry www.johnmarone.com on there you'll see my coaching programs you'll see my retreat you'll also see a few things that i have coming up um, you'll see my online courses but johnmarone.com um, and please please do not hesitate to reach out um, i'm super grateful for the opportunity to be on this show and, and super grateful to share value and hopefully give some tools for people to be better today than they were yesterday. Guys, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up uh, on, on johnmarone.com, whatever it is, but do me one big favor. I need your audience to do one favor for me. The information that we dropped today, because you and I kept going back and forth with value, it's good, but it's useless. If you don't implement. Information without implementation is useless. Okay, and also information, if you don't write it down, within 48 hours, you'll lose 80% of it. So you maybe need to go back and re-listen to this. I'm not sure, but you got to start writing some shit down um, and just do us a favor. We don't talk to talk. We talk to go ahead and get results for you. And the only way for you to get results is for you to implement. So take some of the information that her and I had spoke about today and all the other podcasts that she has done and truly create an implementation on it. And from there, you'll start seeing progression. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Once again, I truly, truly am grateful for it. 
Thank you, John. I love it. Guys, girls, everyone out there, you know exactly in the show notes, you will find all of the links to John's social media and his website and his podcast. And you also know if you go to efficiencyondemand.com, you will not only find the latest episode, but all of the other episodes with all of the show notes, all of the links, all of the tools linked for you. So you don't even need to take notes. You can just take what we prepare for you and implement it right now. <laughs> so if you haven't yet subscribed, you know what to do. Go on your favorite podcast app, whatever it is, click the subscribe button and leave a review for us if you would like. Again, thank you so much, Sean. It's been amazing to have you on. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember... Slow down to speed up.